This is Staying Alive, and I'm Louis J. Thanks so much for joining me today. Um, I'm excited to be back. We are in the seat. We are recording podcast, and uh, we had a small little break there, but it's good to get back. I know. It's been way too long. Obviously, not a lot of people might know or will know that we were shut down for quite some time, and we just thought it was the best thing to probably not get together. I mean, I miss this place, man. (laughs) can't tell you. I was in here earlier today doing a voice record with one a friend of yours who was on the podcast too. He's doing his audiobook, JT Wahlberg. Yes. And uh to spend a whole day in this place is kind of cool, man. There's nobody else <laughs> in here, which is unfortunate, but we're getting close I obviously to I guess you're getting close to opening up soon. We don't know exactly yet, but well, with any hope, I mean that's part of the plan, but um about this place, man, I'll tell you when Building this out and taking it from its early inception, like when, you know, you couldn't even see what this layout looked like. I had this vision of if I was to spend days on end at work, you know, uh, doing something, what would that look like and what would make me feel more comfortable? And every single piece of wood that went on this wall, every single stain drop that went on the floor to the, to the, stone that's on the fireplace it had all of that in mind like what's mm. this going to feel like when it all comes together so i'm like man when you when you hear somebody say that they love it as much as i do then you know you've got something special it does feel a lot like a cabin in the woods in a lot of respects and knowing very well that a busy lakeshore is right out there with tons of traffic going by it's almost like this little refuge that we all can pull ourselves away to oh yeah and you could tell even in, like i see when you're posting stuff on social media and a mention of we'll be back and the people that write back to you it's like all about coming back into cabin they just can't wait it's pretty wild man yeah it is wild i know that we've um i think when we used to keep track of the numbers like when we had hit 10,000 visitors that came through the door um those were milestone moments and and as i recall um it 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 hit me how many people had felt you know so so strongly about the environment and how that made them feel that they went out of their way to comment and they did that on social media and they did it in the product reviews or the company reviews. And they, uh, they, it made me recognize that, you know, environment is huge. And Mm. when you create all the, the right moving pieces, when you put service environment, look, feel, even the smell, the sound all together, you recognize that you are making a lasting impression and when people go out of their way unsolicited to tell you what that felt like, then you know you've got something really special. So that's pretty cool. It, not the same topic, but I mean, we've been um, we've been ordering food once a week to try and support local businesses during the shutdown. And um, somebody had mentioned this Chinese restaurant very close close to our house. I've driven by there a gazillion times, but I'm like, well, never never bothered. So went in there. This place was massive and the decor and everything. It was amazing. I'm like, oh, man, like I could see myself coming here. But unfortunately, there's no dine-in service right now, just just takeout. But still, like it really, as soon as you walk through the doors, you're you're taken, you know, into this feeling, you know. And it was like, okay, I can see ourselves once this crap is over with uh, dining here because it seems like it would be a really cool experience. That's what I love about uh, some of the, the byproducts of being locked in, shut down, closed, is that you get a chance to explore things that you may not have normally or you look for things that aren't in your direct path and finding those unique places to support, to your point. I mean, we're doing the same thing whenever we can uh, for takeout uh, to support the local restaurants. Uh, we're finding that that we're finding new little hotspots. Yeah. And even to that point, they're becoming better service providers than maybe what we had first experienced when we went there live, you right. know, when you went there in person. And now you, they've kind of got their niche and they're they're serving out good quality food and they've kind of over overturned the challenges of being takeout only, um, which I think is awesome. Um, I be- think before the pandemic, people were just going through the motions. 
I think a lot of and, were, yeah. And I and I find now when you're interacting with any kind of business or anything, such as restaurants, the take it just seems everything is heightened in terms of not just service, but just attitude. Everything, everything has changed to a level where it's so personable now. Yeah, I think you know. I was thinking about this actually. You know, nine eleven um, in a lot of respects. Going back to that moment, that uncertainty and that it really ended up creating this human this humanized approach like i i would go to new york all the time before 9 11 and there was always moments where you're like oh that was a new york moment where (laughs) somebody was just you know treated you like an ass or said something or their response wasn't wasn't kind yeah and then 9 11 hit and every visit that i had afterwards i found that there was this humanity this um i don't know this casualness where it didn't exist before it changed yeah everybody's approach and their perspective and it became a little more friendly it became kind and it felt like it was more uh inviting and 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 just warm it just felt like it was it 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 kind of uh it, it dropped its edge and in a lot of respects i think that this this whole challenge that we've faced as small businesses or just communities in general ended up changing the way we look at things. And so I think as a small business, we're, at least I can speak for myself and some of the people that I know that own businesses, we're, uh, we appreciate more now than we ever have. Um, the fact that you choose to do business with our business means a lot more. It's it's no longer taken for granted. Right. And that I think has... has I, don't think, I don't think the people were really thinking at it in, in their attitudes over just taking things for granted. It just felt... Right. That way, because it was the same day over again, right? Every day was the same day, and you're trucking along. Next thing you know, a couple of years go by. But now, it just seems everything's heightened. Everything's heightened. Well, I think that you, you don't know how much you miss something until it's not there. And that, I think, has a lot to do with how we, as you know, business owners, kind of are left to look at what's out there and how, how we're approaching business. I know that, you know, you become more grateful and you recognize those little things that didn't necessarily mean so much before and now mean a lot. And so the the review online, the phone call, you know, even somebody picking up something curbside and I can hear the compliment in the background about, you know, when you guys did this, it was my favorite part of, you know, last year. I loved, mm-hmm. you know, and hearing that and recognizing that that had an impact um, enough to say that, they wanted to make sure that we knew about it. Yeah. That's, that's very cool, man. I think there's some, you know, good learnings, uh, as I've said, all, all the way through all this. You know, the silver linings and the good learnings are definitely something that, you know, we can't take for granted. Yeah. It kind of feels like there's this energy about that things are just ending soon. <laughs> it's very weird. Like people are, I don't hear people talking about it too much, but it just seems like just the way that people are carrying themselves now, it's like, uh, there's an end in sight. Yes. You know, and uh, we couldn't get there any quicker. We couldn't get there any quicker. The The fact is, is that, um, you know, evidenced by what I post on social and how people respond to it, I could put a very important, you know, um, you know, political comment out there. I could put something that's, you know, social, economic, whatever the, you know, it could be something that could really make a difference in a lot of people's lives. And, and the tolerance for that, I think is diminished, you know, where there's no longer an interest. We listen and we listen to the, to our neighbors to the South talk about politics for years. And we just kind of five years it's, we sat by and we watched and we watched and it was like the the train crash or the, or the, or the, the car crash and you couldn't keep your eyes off of it. And then I think we just got so, um, filled with it that it became something that we wanted less and less of. And as, as I recognize now, you know, if I'm comparing those, those posts, one being, you know, very important and you need to help and support and, you know, we can all band together and you put that out there and you've got, you've got 34 likes, mm-hmm. maybe five comments. And you're like, wow, that, that really kind of f- fell short of mm. even what I expected. I expected the community to rally behind it. Yeah. And then, you know, I make a comment like, you know, as soon as all this is over, I'm going to host the biggest dance party you've ever seen, you know, with upwards of 500 views and 190 comments. And it's just like, that's important right now. It is. I want to, I want to look forward to something. And I think your point about we're all feeling like it's coming to an end. um, I think we're so hopeful that, that it doesn't matter 
you know, whatever is really happening out there, unless of course it goes completely south and we take 10 steps back. Right. We're ready and prepared and willing and, and to say like, I need to fix whatever I can in my little camp to make sure I can go and do everything that I wanted to do. Like yeah. whether that means, yes, I'm prepared to do this, 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 and this. I don't care what it is, but I got to get back into the land of the living. I think a lot of people feel the same way. Um, some that, you know, have very little respect for the rules of the protocol. I'm being encouraged all the time to simply open shop. Like, don't worry about it. There's other people that are opening um, regardless of the restrictions mm-hmm. and the, um, the enforcement and the fines and the bylaw. They're just saying open. There's going to be so many people that will support you. Just do what you know is right. You kept everybody safe in your environments, you know. Um, except, you know, I haven't got to that point yet where my threshold is is diminished and I need to make a stand. But I don't know how much further I do have before I get there. You know, I just saw, for this business anyway, I saw a barbershop post online today like, this is where I'm going to be. I have five locations and we are going to be cutting hair today, and we're fully booked. And wow. that's that's pre-opening. Um, so that's pre-regulation uh, you know, opening where they can come back into being safely operational. And, and they're saying that, listen, we're doing this safe. The difference is, is that I'm wearing a mask. The customer's wearing the mask. We're doing uh, temperature checks. We're doing hand sanitization. And he's listing what it is they're going to be doing. And then he makes a point saying much different than people that are cutting hair in their basement. Right. Much different than people that are cutting hair in the backyard or the garage, which they are doing. Mm-hmm. And with no regulation. So I'd rather be safe than sorry. Or, you know, I know the big cry is about the big box store and, and it's legitimate, but they're not, they're not practicing anything. No. Uh, at, at least, the, listen, I haven't been into a store in nine months. So I can't really say but you could see people post pictures lineups at costco in when they're checking out they're they're not even three feet apart let alone six feet apart and it's like okay but like okay if you're going to keep the place open at least practice some of the measures no yes and one of the things that really irked me is that uh my dentist is trying to book me an appointment for a cleaning and i'm like really seriously i mean you're in the belly of the beast. You're in, in my mouth. Right. And your mask and your shield is better than your barber's mask and shield? I don't right. understand. Right. And you're trying to get me in for a cleaning? I can understand if I had like a root canal or a cavity or something that's got to get yanked Official, immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for a cleaning? You're, you're, you're trying to get me into your facility for a cleaning? Is it really that necessary to put myself and yourself at risk like that? And then uh, I can't come here to get a haircut. Yeah, I, I even though you're following the same or even your measures were even hot, you know. Oh, for sure, you our walk measures in were higher. There was no temperature question. check. You yeah. walk in, temperature, sanitize, boom, put your, you know, your, you don't come in. There's nobody else in here other than the barber and you. And then, it, anyways, it's just it's frustrating. We're here, and hopefully, we'll be out of it. <laughs> let's let's all hope for that. I mean, I think it's uh, the fatigue that people talk about for yeah. being on Zoom is one thing, but. The COVID conversation fatigue is just at some point you're like, my gosh, what did we talk about beforehand? And what can we talk about after? Yeah. There's always going to be a tie-in and a tie-back. I know that for sure because that's just, it's not unlike the weather. It's the common thread. And it's got everybody doing something. So now I've got a relationship with everybody uh, outside of the weather. You know, number one talked about topic in the world is the weather. And I think second to that has got to be COVID. Yeah. Third to that is coffee. Coffee, coffee talk, coffee talk, something like that. Anyway, yeah. Well, I mean, um, so, but you said you haven't been to a store in nine months. I mean, uh, what's that? What's that look like for for you and the family? Is that like you've divided the labor? You guys are kind of taking your own time. Like, what is? We've it for- always been a divide and conquer family or or a parental units. We have four kids, so um, you know. It, not one person is overloaded with one, all the tasks. Let's just say it's it's split up and we help out everywhere we can. But I mean, you know, we figured there's grocery grocery gateway or whatever services there is. So in terms of groceries, it gets delivered to us. Right. Uh, everything else has been curbside pickup. Um, if there's anything I'm doing in at the house, Home Depot, order it. A couple of days later, go pick it up. Go pick I, it up. The best one was Ikea, though. We, I'm putting a vanity in. Um 
in my basement bathroom. And uh, my wife ordered the vanity she liked. We, it, it was brilliant. <laughs> Just pulled up, quick phone call, and in two minutes, and I mean there was 50 cars parked in spots, and in two minutes it was in my trunk. I'm like, this is the best. I'll never want to go into it. Well, that's the not, thing. Not I mean, to, look, I know they work really hard to get you to walk through the entire facility. I'm going to take my sweater off. I'm dying here. Yeah, you bet. Um, but, you know, and for some people, they, they really like that, to, to, to be able to window shop or walk through it. Kids love it. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? But for me, I'm, I'm a type of guy when I go shopping, it's like I go in, get what I need, and I'm out of there. I don't need to muck around and, and shop around or anything. I, I need this. Let's go. So that was that was awesome. That experience. We went to the Burlington one because the one in Etobicoke was, uh, was still closed. Yeah. So you're a region hopper. Well, we stayed in our car. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny though because there's a couple of things. Well, uh, more than a couple. I just off the top of my head right now, I think of a couple. One of them being the convenience that's been presented to us for the likes of curbside pickup. Mm-hmm. So is this a moving forward? I love it. So do I. I mean, I'm I'm telling you, I'm very much like you. Uh, I do I do enjoy a good shop every now and then where I need to be inspired and I need to see something. Yes, I like what they've done from a merchandising standpoint. And quite frankly, there's some stores that I will go out of my way to go into because they've done such an incredible job of creating that visual experience right. that you know I'm very much connected to. Um, All well, Saints for some reason comes to mind for that. They just their stores are beautiful and, and it's almost like you're going into museum type environments where you're like i i need to see this because they've built it and it's so good and i get very excited for that yeah. like what they've done from a layout and but the the convenience of of serving a guy like me that knows what i want mm-hmm. or i could figure out quickly online or with an incredible return policy i don't have to worry about that anymore and i can go make an order a day later two days later pull up have somebody there bring it out to me that's a moving forward service offering that I don't think I can live without anymore. Yeah. You know, and so I look, I'm looking forward to seeing how businesses push that back into their, their new uh, operational strategy, their model, you know, and, and does it come at a premium? I think there's already a premium charge for some grocery stores that are doing click and pick, mm-hmm. um, but it's worth it. Yeah. Well, there's an interesting thing that I've been seeing lately in my feeds um, about ghost kitchens. Have you heard about that yeah, phenomenon? I'm not sure what it is, but what is what is the deal? Okay, I, I, I was I was supposed to sit down last night and read this article because I finally like, what the hell is this? Like I've heard it mentioned in several um, interviews and uh, headlines in in, its, in some of my feeds and some of the articles. Like I I go to dig a lot and Reddit and stuff like that. And um, the ghost kitchen is like this facility. Uh, obviously a kitchen that will make it's primarily for pickup or takeout. So you can order Taco Bell or Pizza Hut or uh, Thai Palace or whatever it is. And in that same kitchen, they'll make all those recipes. So rather than going to each individual franchise, like Taco Bell, will like say we're going to be part of this ghost kitchen mm-hmm. so that it's a lot more accessible to people. So if your nearest franchise, that's your favorite, like a Kentucky fried chicken, mm-hmm is 20 kilometers away and this ghost kitchen is you know five kilometers away you place the order like you would anywhere else and it's made there instead of whoa okay hold on i know so let me i think (laughs) i'm getting it right i might be fucking this whole thing up (laughs) (laughs) right but from what i gotta look it up so are they making the recipe like the kentucky fried chicken recipe yes so basically multiple recipes multiple recipes in one location location. and so how does that so you have me just the the convenience convenience of it and for the the stakeholders it's like well we can have it all roll out of this one kind of thing now so we don't have to brick and mortar and with all the signage, it's just coming out of there. So the Uber guys come and, or the skip Perfect. the dishes or yes. whatever, they come okay. and pick it. It's interesting how that whole, you know, the restaurant business is swift with Pivot, man. They are they were so swift doing this whole thing that it's still evolving. Yes, I think swift is interesting because I don't know that they knew exactly what they were doing other than survival mode. Yeah. You know, and as a result of that, they became a model in itself to say, this is how we're going to treat this. Mm -hmm. And this wasn't a bad idea. I mean, you know, I mean, of course they took a beating, but 
um, what they were able to salvage quickly was pretty impressive. Well, but just think how many restaurants that didn't have the web presence. Everybody has a website. But yes. the presence to order online, order through whatever the case may be, Uber or Skip the Dishes or whatever it is. They had to quickly have that set up and ready to go, and I mean that's been that's what's keeping them open. Yeah, so I, I so interesting ghost kitchens um, that I have to look into as well. Yeah. I mean, really, it's not for us; it's just for the convenience of the third party delivery companies. They're now going to be able to centralize a satellite pickup or satellite location yeah. pick up from there and then move it to your houses. Yeah. Interesting. And then not not burden the brick and mortar stop uh, shop that they have. Yeah, but what does that mean? Does that mean less franchises are being sold? Like it's it's interesting what the what the how this is going to go forward. I think obviously convenience is the is the big uh, motivator here for how businesses are going to move forward, right? Like I mean, after we've experienced what we have, it's like I prefer that. Early in the pandemic, when I went to the grocery store and you like. God, there was a lineup to get in, a lineup to check out, and then once you're through the queue, you're you're with the checkout person, and there's nobody around. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that there's nobody else around you, Standing like behind you, burning your ankles with their cart when <laughs> yes. you're trying to pay with your credit card or whatever. It's it's like it felt civilized. You know what I mean? It's like oh, this is nice. <laughs> and I I would always ask the the cashiers like you know so how you liking this and like oh it's 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 a lot. A lot nicer, you know. It's it's it doesn't feel like when it's busy, it's it's always steady. It's not overwhelming mm-hmm. because they're managing right. the amount of people Full. coming in. Yeah, mm-hmm. cool. that's interesting. I mean, um, some of the other pieces that came to mind uh, that I don't know I could live without anymore. Um, we subscribed to a food service mm-hmm. like a Good Food or Fresh or whatever those ones are called. Mm-hmm. Good or something. In any case, um, recommended from a friend. Of course, they've done a great job marketing so that the referral programs are really strong, which is a great business tactic uh, at any given day. Um, but it did what it was supposed to do. Our friends commented socially. You know, we're on a Zoom call, and they're making, you know, the Thai whatever that meal was, and it was, oh, this sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Where did you order from? And then you recognize that they got a chance to cook. The cool thing is that you can – you can treat those services in whatever way suits you or your family. If you've got kids, it was a good opportunity to have the kids take on a meal. And so now it's kind of like, you know, a night off for mm-hmm. mom and dad um, where we didn't have to cook. They would prepare a meal and then that would be an accomplishment and something to celebrate inside the, the confines of the four walls that, you know, at some point get really tight and close and, <laughs> and they close in on you. Um but at the same time, too, it gave us a chance to experiment with other flavors, uh, the frequency of the orders, um, the fact that you didn't have to go out and get ingredients. Uh, and, you know, whether you're you're up for the premium that it comes at mm-hmm. uh, or you just equate that to another you know experience that you spend money on. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit of entertainment and a bit of functionality, too, right? You got to eat yeah. right? and let's maybe have some fun cooking. Um, let's task the kids with it. Let's make it a date night or whatever. I think that those experiences um, have been well represented and gives us a good chance to look at what we can do differently. And maybe those are some of the things that stay on the plate when everything opens up again. You know, um, I think it's a, it's been a cool way. I, I mean, what for me personally, I always enjoyed cooking, but I'm beginning to love cooking, you know, where, you know, um, learning a lot mm-hmm. um trying to to take all those little master chef moments and put them into play also because i've got an audience now you know you're kind of forced to have everybody yeah. there somebody's not checking out for dinner and you know they're not there anymore <laughs> they have to be there they can't go anywhere so you gotta you gotta like what i'm making or not um and so far so good i think it's been really cool have you tried any of the services we used to do the good food it was great like it broke it up for us because i mean you know we have our 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 classic dishes that we make on a regular basis it's a good it's a staple. good variety yeah the good staple mm-hmm. but once in a while it's like i don't do enough asian food i you know i, I think i'm a pretty decent cook but uh it's like when you don't work with certain flavors and stuff you, you know i always have my go-to and uh it was awesome to to try it and you know we made i made a lot of notes because it's like 
I like to do a recipe when I when I get a new recipe, I'll do it to a T. Mm-hmm. Exactly how they believe that this dish should be made. And then after that, tasting it is like, okay, I know how to add my twist onto it. So the next time that I make it, I'll do it from scratch. I won't, you know, because we had the thing where the menu changed all the time when we would order that stuff. So the next week it would be a whole different round of meals and right. you'd have to pick from. Right. So, but it was like, wait, I like that little noodle dish that I did. I would just go out and buy all the stuff and then, of course, have my, you know, pull back a little bit on the lime, a little bit, you know, add this yeah. instead or some heat or whatever. And it was great. It, it allowed me to kind of expand my repertoire so that, you know, I want to be like my mom. My mom was the best at opening the fridge, whatever was left over. We're talking, you know, to her or to us, it was like she would slap it together, but it was gourmet. <laughs> it was right. like, damn, how do you... what? How'd you make this meal out of potato and whatever? <laughs> yeah, it was every day was like that. I mean, she was a master at it, master at it. Yeah, I think it's given us a chance to recognize or at least improve on what we were doing. Everybody seems to have picked up a little culinary interest. The kids are baking regularly. Yeah. And it's it's not uncommon now to come downstairs or walk into the kitchen and – uh somebody's behind the counter making something and that that's new that's that's really cool i mean new in the last six eight nine months but it's frequent that's the other part of it too right to the point where you know our middle my middle daughter macy um insisted to have a chef's apron you know like so she's and not just for the sake of having an apron it's really to protect her clothes she's particular and wants that wants to cook and not have that so I think that's really cool. I think there's so some... So did they make the TikTok phenomenon feta pasta with the oh, tomatoes? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. same here. My son, you made that too. <laughs> I mean, that's fabulous, right? The fact fabulous. that you're getting the youth to want to try this. Apparently, that was like the number one uh, ingredients that were sold for a period of time. Like when we ordered from the store or whatever. Like somebody had made a mention. like, oh, you guys are making the feta pasta? Right. Like, <laughs> that, see, that blow. that's mind-blowing because... Now, all of a sudden, our common thread is is very particular, you know, and this is where social media and and business and 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 how to how to to look at social media as a true business. I mean, feta manufacturers from around the world had no idea this was coming. Right. They got they hit a massive spike. They sold out stores across the chains around the world. Yes. I think some countries said that they were out of feta. They couldn't get any more like why? Because somebody yeah. made it popular on a social media app that a gazillion people see and respond to. And now all of a sudden we're all, there's a common thread here again. Have you made the feta pasta, yeah. you know, with the tomatoes? And then but it's then, crazy. Yes. I want to really dissect next time we're on, I want to really dissect how that video was made and what separates that video from all the million other recipes that I've seen on Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, you know how they do the yes. quick little thing and you add this and that. Why did that one, why did that one become the Gangnam style right. of, of songs yes. on video? Like yes. how did that one separate? What techniques were they using? What song were they using? Like what, what made it so appealing? I'd love to dig into that too, because you see it happens frequently on that platform mm. uh, of course you recall um ocean spray had a major uptake because of dog face yeah. simply you know taking a classic fleetwood mac song that also exposed that brand and that band to you know new heights and new audiences they never would have experienced before and simply by raising you know it could have been anything yes it really could have been anything However, it was Seven Up, Mountain yes. Dew, a- anything. Anything. Monster and, Energy. And drink. so you take the guy, the performer, the talent, the yeah. performer, the talent in that space. You take the song, you take the activity, and you take that overall appeal, you know, like that general, this guy can connect to anybody. But the thing, a- the thing was, all those things felt like they didn't belong with each other. Like that dude longboarding, yes. I would have never pictured him doing that. Right. Drinking an ocean spray... Versus maybe a Monster Energy, like you know what yes. I mean. It just seemed like what, what, yeah. Yeah. what? That song with him? Yes. And then when you trace it back and find out that it was him, because of course everybody did a duet or they did their own version of it, and then you know Fleetwood Mac was being used in everything. My kids know Fleetwood yeah. Mac intimately as a result, and maybe I they knew it before because I was already pushing Fleetwood Mac on them. But sure, um, 
point is, is that all their friends, they know exactly where that came from. Yeah. And their point of reference for Fleetwood Mac is now TikTok, not right. actually the band or the rumors yeah. or anything beforehand. But um, yeah, getting back to the pasta one, um, I love the fact that it happened all at once and it was a craze and it was, you know, yeah, well, we've got to put that in our regular menu. And then people are all kind of responding in the same way. And to me, that's that's a really cool thing from a marketing standpoint, because if done well, yes, brands, products, services um, with authenticity, OK, in that platform environment, creating content that is not just a matter of like, let me wave my flag over here, my brand flag. Let me sh- let me not just show this off. Let me do it in a way that's really unique and creative. Let me let me make sure that um, I've entertained you, engaged you, and done it in a way that was authentic, so that you see who and what we really are as a brand. Mm-hmm. Like that's where magic happens, and and you can see content creators now in that platform going out of their way to create TikTok like content for off platform so that you can see in Facebook and Twitter that brands have recognized that the style the speed, um, the delivery of content is very appealing. And now there's a whole behavior around when people want to see what you're doing on TikTok, so that they're now approaching their marketing with TikTok in mind. Right. So I guess the brand managers are are actually getting out of their traditional form and taking the risk. Cause I mean, I think it must be difficult for them to, to uh, allow themselves to jump into that, that new way of communicating, but clearly it works. You know what I mean? Like the, oh, res- yeah. the response is, is there. So it's like, um, I used to work at commercials for a long time and brands would, <laughs> this is, this is the book. Here's the, the book. We do yeah. not go out of there. And it's like you're limiting yourself, in my opinion. Well, that's what this this lesson has been all, all the way through. That um, that first of all, you have to recognize that it's ever evolving, and the communication um, mediums are becoming more sophisticated, and 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 the opportunity for brands to be able to get on there and have a share of voice. Um, really, if you're going to do it well, you have to do it really well, and. You can see where brands are failing there too. Like I've seen, um, you know, the uh, I don't know if it's a board or or if it's a if it's a organization, but the milk campaign, you know, like dairy milk, dairy farmers, um, in my opinion, uh, failed miserably. They would have content creators, influencers, uh, you know, take the big drink of milk, have the mustache on, and, and comment about how nutritious. Or they can't even do that anymore. Um, they can't comment on the nutrition values of milk because, in fact, it's it, it's not nutritious. Right. right. So anyway, the point is, is that they'd have somebody get on there to make a claim, and the claim, of course, have to has to be substantiated. But it didn't do enough to make people convert to milk, mm-hmm. and it looked like it was selling a product, as opposed to me showing you my lifestyle, and this is the byproduct of you know what that conversation is. Right. And so I mean, I, I think it's remarkable. I could. I could dive into that for hours because I'm so, I'm so connected to the behavior and the outcomes. You know, I'm watching artists create actual, like you know, wall art, and being told that their 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 art is garbage and it looks like my you know ten year old could do better. And you know, and then they're selling their piece for um, you know tens of thousands of dollars, and it doesn't look like a ten year old did it. It's just a matter of the audience that's watching and how they're connected to it and where they've been given a platform to comment and and create you know commentary they do and i don't know i find it i find it remarkable um even to the point now where uh, everybody's talking about i'm going to forget the name of this mm. but it's the digital art phenomenon that's happening right now uh digitized where they're selling digital art tokens for ridiculous amounts of money online what is that called I have no idea. Oh my gosh! It's all around the. Uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Um, we need to hire a. We need to hire somebody to do our online uh, searches. Yes, Is yes, that the next next phase of our podcast? Somebody could sit right there and take that on. So, as a matter of fact, if you're listening today, we're looking for anybody who likes to work for free. Yes, to come on and help us get our content in order. 
anyway, it's remarkable because there's a whole revolution happening again around uh, digital currency, mm. uh, digital art, um, and the scarcity of that art and how it becomes a valuable commodity right off the bat. Like there's people selling art right now for hundreds of millions. Like really? It's out of control. Like it's out of control. I don't like that whole game start stop phenomenon. It's like overnight like that. And right. that's what's happening in the background. And uh, I, I find like we're in this really cool kind of almost pioneer maverick day again. Like things are really shaken up online and, and that's trickling down to the real world. People are becoming overnight you know, financially independent, wealthy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're 25-year-olds just kind of... Taking risks. Doing what they think is right right yeah. now. I think it's amazing. I'm very excited about Cause today. I really think that would never would have happened had this moment in our life uh, had presented itself. Yes. Uh, for as tragic as it is, and you know what I mean? Like, nobody wants wants to hear about people dying. No way. But the, for the ones that are still here, it just seemed like it 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 paused a lot, and then there's some folks that uh, took the opportunity to go. I'm I'm pushing this forward now. Uh, I'm taking this opportunity to expand, not not close. I'm going to expand. Yes. I'm going to make this move. I find that like amazing how some people have come to that conclusion it's like what are you gonna we're gonna sit here and stay isolated no i'm gonna put my uh my nose down figure out what i want to do for the next little bit and put that in motion and start start doing something either completely different or expanding in what i have going on now to help facilitate what i'm what i'm doing right now it's it's i find those people really fascinating yeah there's there's a lot of people to look to look at and see what they're doing because they either were on track to to make it to the next milestone or the benchmark, and then they got the rug pulled out from underneath them, and then they figured out a way to, to maybe even exceed that that milestone, mm-hmm. move past it. You know, I, I would in a lot of respects think that that we talked about pivot early on yeah. in the in the podcasts, and um, you know, the, those are one of those words that you'll probably be happy you won't have to listen to again yeah. as you move forward, only because it's been used so often, but. In fact, um, we had to make a number of changes in the way we operate, not only from cabin's perspective, but from the uh, from the um, the other business where we're doing conferences, national meetings, and the likes. Um, that for us, we had to reinvent right away, and we just came off of what seemed like a whirlwind tour. This yeah. is this is national kickoff, you know, season where everybody gets their companies together and. And tries to connect and make meaningful um, meetings that actually influence the way that they're going to look at the year. And uh, I've just come off that tour. It was grueling. It mm. was intense. Uh, in in all in all due respect, um, there has to be an understanding that virtual and moving into this new space requires so much more effort right. than doing it live. You know what a good example was? Did you see the Golden Globes last night? I didn't. Terrible. Was it? I thought it was. I don't know. I've, I've not uh, it, heard anything. It was bumpy, man. Oh, was it? <sighs> well, that's good news. <laughs> and I was thinking of you because it's like, how many shows have you done? You, like, you're probably so dialed in now that you know what the, the hiccups are. You know what, I mean, there's a lot to manage. I, the whole, like, I'm watching this. So you have your two presenters. Uh, one was in New York. The other one was in L.A., I believe. Tina Fey and, um, I forget I Yes. I apologize for not remembering her name. Amy, Amy Poehler, right? And so, and they did this split screen thing. So the stage was kind of decorated the same. Okay, that's fine. But when they would go to the nominees and everything, they were off Zoom calls. And when they would intro at first, everybody was like sitting there awkward. Like it was really bad. And then you would hear, um, I guess, the uh, assistant directors going, just act natural. Everybody just act like you're hearing that live on oh, it. Like, it was just, and it was clunky. It was really clunky. And I'm like, damn, this is the Golden Globes. You you mean to tell me you weren't ahead of this thing seven months ago doing dry runs and rehearse? Maybe they did. They, but, they probably but maybe did. They did. They probably but I did. thought I thought of you because I'm like, uh, Louis would have probably di- had this thing dialed in because he's been doing so many of these shows for for quite some time now. Yeah, it's um it, it was a real awakening to recognize 
um, how vulnerable you are in the show, in the moment, in mm -hmm. the in the in the mix of bringing on a presenter or a general manager, a country lead that's got a very important you know uh, piece of content to deliver, and you're at the edge of your seat because I can no longer control the minute that that her internet goes out or yeah, our internet goes out or the storm hits New Jersey where we happen to have a server or something like that. Go it's, down. it's like you, you have so many potential risks here that you really are on the edge of your seat as an event producer strategist. It's like everything I just worked for, for the last six months to pull this job off yeah. comes down to something I have zero control. Yeah. Over. Th like there, you can't even have a backup generator, right? Like there's no, no. there's no, there's no, yeah. if it's done, it's done. However, to your point, um, here's a good story. If the award show appeared to be clunky and it didn't come off with the finesse and polish that mm. you'd expect because that's what the business of that award yeah. show is in to show at a level that's like yes. you know inspiring and you yes. know um if if it had challenges let's put it this way they were always way overproduced there, there were some segments Fair. that were like come on yes but now it just it brought everybody back down to reality well, in the whole in the whole uh, in the whole movie making space right it brought everybody back down it also if if it doesn't come off the way you expect or you plan for it it gives a little bit of um forgiveness or or acceptance to you know average people that are you know working for companies that are in the IT department that are trying their best mm -hmm. and you know they're they're overcoming these obstacles every single time there's another company meeting and they're doing it on uh on their own without the support of all of a that money uh the production capabilities and the talent you mm -hmm. know so it goes it goes far in saying that even the best have challenges in virtual and that's probably a, a good takeaway from if the awards weren't that great. Mm. I'm fortunate. I mean, I had moments where, you know, my heart was in my throat. Um, my clients would never know that. They came off of, you know, the events with a post-event uh, survey talking about their love and, and likes and dislikes for the event. And, uh, I mean, overwhelmingly, I'm very glad because there was moments where I was, I was, I was gutted because I was afraid that, that didn't do exactly what I planned, mm -hmm. and um, it wasn't noticed, and that was the cool part. People didn't recognize all the little things, and that's usually the case, right? You're very critical of your own work, and you're very, uh, you've are very you got big microscopes looking at everything, and the minute something's slightly off for you, it doesn't mean that it was off for anybody else at all. And that's what I kept on being reminded of throughout all of these shows, that um, <clears throat> nobody's going to notice it like I notice it, yeah. um, but the fact that I notice it, Drives me crazy, you know, and I'm I'm looking to make sure that they're just having the most the most amazing experience ever. It doesn't matter if it was virtual; uh, it, it needed to represent a connection, and that's where I think, in a lot of respects, we were able to do that. I don't know how much the tolerance is for many more moving forward. I think everybody, I don't think I know everybody, overwhelmingly came back with their post survey event results saying. They can't wait to get back to live. They yeah. can't wait to get back to live. So I, too, am looking forward to that. But in the meanwhile, I want to keep continue navigating through these learnings. And I'll tell you this. <clears throat> despite doing so many, every single one of them, every single national meeting has presented some unique challenge that I never anticipated the meeting before. Right. And even though I learned something in that meeting before, I expected to carry that over to the next one and say, okay, we can't do this because look what happened. Um, <laughs> it was something that I never had to worry about. Instead, something else was presented yeah. that was brand new. And so you just keep on building your tool chest of like, this is what I have to look out for. This is what can never happen again. And most importantly, if we talk about having content ready on that day, it better be ready yeah. on that day because the minute it's not, it's like a domino effect, yeah. right? Everybody else is now backed up waiting for it. And the other part of this is, is this is where everybody's got to really understand the value of virtual. All comes back down to how well is your content created? Mm -hmm. And that's where the likes of you, Frank, and in the world that you that you have your you know your digs into video content creation, it's king now. Like mm -hmm. it's the number one. It's got to be the way that 
you know, even as a byproduct after the fact, if we do go back to live, video still has to be such a strong part of the presentation. And if it's not done well, it's noticed. Yeah. And that's where the challenge is, is that it can't just simply be a video. Uh, it can't be a PowerPoint with the guy in the corner. It needs to be more. And and that's something that I'm looking forward to being creative with and, and coming up with solutions for, for, for presentations that kind of go beyond simply the, the, the droning of here's the results, everybody. And here I am in the corner with my PowerPoint large and me small. Um, it needs to be engaging and creative. And that's what I'm most excited about. That's where I think that I came out of this tour exhausted, no question, because it was one week after another, sometimes two or three events during one week. Um, yeah, that was a crazy run. It was a crazy run. Yeah. There was mo- there was monitors everywhere I turned. There was another mm-hmm. monitor with another show on it. And um, you want to you wanna make sure that what you're delivering is high quality, high caliber outputs. Um, <laughs> and, you know, recognizing that there is limitations to that. I, I just want to make sure that I'm constantly evolving that delivery so that it's not ever just a duplication. I bet you moving forward, if things go back and we go live, there's still going to be some element of virtual involved now moving forward. It has to be. Once it's like it's it's presented itself into our into our world, you know, we're not going to just completely abandon that. I, I strongly believe that there's gonna, it's going to be a, an element definitely moving forward in everything that we do for sure. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's actually going to change the structure of the meetings. Um, you know, we would have a tolerance for having our, our, our attendees wake up, be at the breakfast room for 7 o'clock into a meeting by 8.30. And in this case now, we've had to limit our timeline with them to like next to nothing, uh, 90 minutes a day. You know, because after two hours, you're you're spent. You're done. Yeah, you're done, and you don't have the tolerance, the interest, or or. And if if you do, you had to have made that engaging. It has to be more than another update from another franchise or a business unit. It had to be something really, really cool in there. And so I think that, just like curbside pickup, maybe that's the the follow through. It'll always be here. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of of uh, virtual components that make their way back into live events. Well, it's kind. Of- not to go completely off topic, but I, it makes me think about um, the education system with the high schoolers. I, I have right. a son that's in high school. He's in school two days a week from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. And then uh, races back, back online at 1230 till, I don't know, three, three-ish. But he's only doing two courses as opposed to... Right. Uh, if he was in school, like pre-COVID, just going through you know all the courses throughout the day consecutively until your semester's done and then whatever. He's doing way better now, although they do miss the social interaction, which yeah. is hugely important, especially during the high school years. But I think they're getting more out of being solely focused on two courses uh, and being able to absorb all that because it's reflecting in the grades. It really is. Yeah, this this is a chance for education to um, to open up to look at how they can do things differently. It's it's way overdue. Uh, there's other places in the world that have taken education into different like hemispheres. Yeah, in the sense of how people are absorbing, how kids are reacting and responding, and this is a a, a, a very serious um, but much needed wake up call. And if it meant even to, to transfer what they were doing before for how many courses they spread it over for the length that they tried to, to teach yeah. it, this may be an answer to say, let's look at what this has really done. You I think know? they got to pull back. I just think, you know, uh, even even my, my kids that are in grade school, I found before, you know, you're going through adding, subtracting, multiplication, then they're on to something else. Like, let them absorb this right. first. Let them get that so ingrained that, you know, they can answer questions with their eyes closed. Um, but they, it just seems like everything was like pushed through. Like, we got to move on. We got to move on to the next phase, the next phase. It's like, slow down. Yeah. You know, a, let them take it in. There's a lot to be said. Miller, um, <clears throat> my youngest, uh, was actually, I didn't really know how how school would be absorbed and how online would work. And, you know, um, Miller's very visual and sees things differently. Um, right. So, yeah, it was kind of 
I was concerned. However, I'm not somebody that puts a lot of emphasis on marks yeah. uh, because I don't have a lot of respect for the school system in the way that it it kind of funnels everybody into this big, yeah. you know, catch-all. Um, especially if you're creative. Right, especially if you're creative. And so, you know, recognize that there was a uh, Miller got caught plagiarizing and the teacher called uh, called uh, called Miller out for that. And uh, it was a conversation and discussion because now this is where I'm interested. Now you're doing something that you're breaking all the rules and let's talk about why. And so that full conversation around what's this really mean? Like you just, you're checked out, you're not interested. Like, you know, how can we get you interested? And so there was a couple of moments of shed tears there and some really hard conversations around, you know, what the future has to offer and, you know, what can we do from the learning perspective on this? Yeah. And it gave us a chance to, to, um, to help and to, to maybe find other solutions there. And we did. And as a result, it went from 36, the mark was 36 to 63 and praise from the teacher and recognition that the effort meant something and that we were now having a chance to recognize effort. Um, you know, and again, marks to me don't make a difference, but when you see a significant increase like that, you know, mm. that there's a determination and there's, there was a good learning opportunity for all of us there, you know, um, that I don't know that, you know, I think, you know, there was a chance to be able to be very clear online and in this learning environment that, you know, Miller was falling behind and it was recognized because there was the constant uh, effort in that one topic day after day after day. Right. And maybe that would have been a longer process had it not been, you know, in the cycle that we are experiencing now. So I think the overhaul is is something that, you know, not a lot of, it's a lot of work. I get that. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of effort and, you know, with with some um, very smart people that'll end up creating a way that make this make sense. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what that could offer, you know, our, our children that are growing up and, and for the parents that are putting such an emphasis on what that looks like for their kids. Yeah. Different world. Yeah. And I hope it crosses over not only in the education system, but a lot of things, even in our, in government, even in, in, in commerce, even in, you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think the, the, the thinkers really ne- need to start, um, I don't know, just laying it out there and, and, and some people try and execute some of these things just to, you know, you got to be brave to, to make those changes. And at first it probably isn't going to be accepted right away, but, you know, all new things are always like, <laughs> what's going on here? Yeah, put the brakes on yeah. that for a minute. And, uh, you know, we have to take some, make some bold moves to just better some things because to be accepting the way things are, it's just, to me, it's not working, man. It's not working. I think we've had enough of our dad's world. You know, it's time for us to really make whatever version of that we want, move it forward and let the next generation do something really exciting and unique in the way that they approach things too. I think there's a lot of great learnings that have come out of this. Um, The one thing that I learned is that I need to be uh, stimulated by creativity. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, the only place that I can actually get a, a jolt of that is, of course, online or um, on TV or, or – and I'm just feeling like I just – I need something live. I need something to be really inspirational creatively to get me, you know, to make me satisfied. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm lacking that. I yeah. think maybe that human connection to some creative experience is, is lacking for me right now. I need, I need to find something uh, – so I'm open to suggestions. If you think there's something really great that you found, even in the online environment, that that's the world that I've got to concentrate on now. But um, I mean, I would always, if I found that I was, you know, needing a good boost, um, I would find the local Cirque du Soleil performance. Yeah. And I'd go check out a show. Yeah. You know, or something like that, where there was a live um, performance art, something that was pushing the boundaries. And for, for me, Cirque du Soleil did it often. I would, oh, my God. I'd walk out of a show there going, wow. I feel like I uh, had just taken the tin can opener. and So so creative. I remember a long time ago when O was happening in Vegas there, and it was still kind of new. When you go see a show like that and you can't explain it to somebody you're trying to explain it to, it tells you something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. You're struggling it's for like, words. Well, it's this... You just got to go see it because whatever it. I'm going to tell you, you can't, because it's, it's unimaginable what they pulled off, especially on that show. I haven't seen all their shows, but 
that one left a lasting impression going jesus christ i just i just witnessed that thing something that happened that i could have never imagined coming up with something magical something magical that's what i'm in the in search of that that's right though that's what for me was the same idea that every time i saw one of those live performance pieces it was like i'd walk out and I'd have, you know, pencil to paper because I'm creating something unique that I want to see in one of my shows, yeah. you know, or whatever you can draw. your Any kind of performance. From. When I was younger, uh, I'm a closet drummer. So I, I would still say I'm, I'm, I'm at the beginning stages of learning how to drum through my whole life. <laughs> and I used to go see these, what they would call these drum clinics. So they, um, these uh, stick manufacturers or music stores would hire a okay. session guy or somebody that played for uh, Liberty DeVito. He used to play for uh, Billy Joel. He was his drummer. Or I'd go see some lo- local Canadian uh, drummers do these drum clinics. And it, it did two things. It either made you want to quit. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, they would just, it'd be great because they demo, do a, do a little drum solo thing there, Q&A, have somebody come up. It, it was Brilliant. It's brilliant. And you really get to see like, man, if I could practice my, 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 uh, kick pedal foot to do triplets, I'd be the king, you know? And, and this guy went on to say that, uh, Paul DeLong never, for, I'll never forget. He was a drummer for Kim Mitchell. And he's like, you know, I spent an entire summer just on my kick pedal, getting these triplets in and like did nothing else. Like I play in bands and stuff, but all my practice time was, <laughs> And it would make you go, damn, I'm going to hang it up or, you know. I got to be like Paul. You get motivated, right? You get motivated to create and get inspired to do stuff like that. So I get what you're saying about the Cirque du Soleil thing. Well, the one thing that happened in the course of like us being locked down and not in here doing podcasts was uh, I celebrated a birthday and the family got me a subscription to Masterclass. Nice. I got that yes. too yeah. Did for you, Christmas. I think yes. actually you might have been the inspiration for yeah. that. I know, Tammy, you might have connected with you on on what that looked like. But um, that I'm looking forward to. Because, it's awesome. Like I think that that's time well spent, you know? Yeah. And I could find myself, although it would be online, it's still going to be a way to be able to yeah. have somebody that's that's a master. Yeah showcase how and what and where that I'm looking forward to. Now it's a matter of carving out the right time for yeah. it. You know? Yeah. I found it. So as soon as I got it, it was like over consumption overload for me. Okay. Like I was going from making brisket barbecue with Rich, <laughs> that Franklin, Franklin's barbecue to, you know, Sheila E has a drumming thing and I was just bouncing everywhere. This girl's doing photography. Like it was, <laughs> if you saw my, you know, when you when you open up the app and it's like, you want to continue on this class? Or <laughs> like I had 15 right. all at once. Now, uh, truth be told, I haven't watched it in a couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, you got to get back on it. But it is, it's so well done. And I mean, geez, you know, you know, any information is good information. So open the mind. And that's actually, that takes me back to TikTok again. I feel mm. like I might be a paid endorsed sponsor for TikTok. But uh, what that... Uh, app has afforded me to do in my life i mean i f- i figured out a way i don't know if i figured out they figured out me mm-hmm. which is the story of that algorithm and how they actually know what's going to be um exciting or entertaining to you and because of my behavior on there we talked about that in the social dilemma uh, movie review we yeah. did where of course the intelligence is so sophisticated that it feeds me stuff where i just you're so far down the rabbit hole. Yes. You just don't want to come out, but I'm fine. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what, I know how to make an incredible feta pasta, yeah. tomato, something. I know how to do, you know, this with that, uh, that curing. And so if, if you found your way into food TikTok, then you're going to be, and you're a foodie, you're going to be in. You're you are, in. You're, but if you're in, into the, you know, into the business side of TikTok, then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're just getting tons of content that's helping you recognize that, Oh, this is valuable. This yeah. website I didn't know existed. This is actually going to allow me to write content, excuse me, for blog posts where I don't really have to write the content. I can have it written by a robot. And, you know, um, the artificial intelligence is a big piece of that. Anyway, the point is, is that whatever you're into, they find a way to be able to connect content creators that are masterful at that space to be able to show you what it is. And of course, you know, if, if, if the dancing is part of it, that's fun. Yeah. And that's your world. That's even, that's even better because that's an easy one. 
But when you start getting into, you know, peeling the onion and recognizing that I'm into business TikTok, I'm into food TikTok, I'm into social engagement in the sense of, you know, the community activation and all that other stuff. It's mm-hmm. all there, man. It's like you get your own personal TV programming, which is pretty cool. Um, but I am looking forward to Masterclass uh, to see if maybe that can spark some new ideas and interests because I, like many people during all this, am looking for every possible way to be able to come out of the other side with, you know, a bouquet of roses or flowers and happy big smiles on my face. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I kind of feel like we're... We're, I don't know. I think there's going to be a a big, another cool push. Uh, that's my sensibility right now is that there's going to be. Like, a, what do you mean? What do you mean? I think in a positive way. After this whole thing, I think there's going to be, you know, you always have your good with the bad. But I just think, I think we're headed in a positive direction. I think a lot of people during this time, <laughs> good or bad, have have their comments or beliefs about, you know, how government handled stuff, mm-hmm. how, listen, we can sit there and pick apart everything. But uh, aside from all that, I just think now that I think there's going to be like this, you know, people are going to f- find their lane and go for it. And there's going to be a good run of of that feeling for a while. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, there's so much that I really enjoy about what's happening right now. I, I'm also excited about what what's next. Um, not knowing that entirely, I think is in itself exciting. Um, and being open to the fact that you just got to keep on keeping on, you got to really put your head up high and, and drive. Um, so that's where I think, you know, a little creativity, a little time to, to maybe reset the schedule. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, I found that I was so busy for so long there. It was a good two months of like just pounding it, like for all these meetings. And then I last a, year this time you were in Costa Rica. Oh, that's so, see, this so, is a torture right yeah, now. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's like, one of the big things. Like I find that everybody is thinking about where am I going to go as soon as this thing is done. Right, uh, Costa Rica is by far uh, one of our favorite vacation spots. Yeah. And you know, I, my goal last year was to find a place. You know, a little shack. It didn't have. It was going to be very modest. It was the intention was to be modest. I didn't have to be overproduced or, or too opulent by any stretch. I stayed in some opulent places last year that yeah. would blow anybody's mind. But I was looking for something different. I wanted to have a place that I could have for two months, and then you know, come March first, twenty twenty one. Yeah, it was going to be. See you later. I'll, I'll check back in in June or something. Mm-hmm. And um, of course. I found a bunch of places, but we can't be there. <laughs> and so now I know what's going to happen in the next two weeks oh, is yeah. that there's going to be a social media push from my social media feeds reminding me of this great trip that yes. we had last year. Yeah, Memories. Which, <laughs> yes, memories that, that'll haunt and excite you yeah. all in one breath. Um, but I, I think that that's one of those common conversations about what are you going to do as soon as you can? Well, you know? I look forward to being with the people that I haven't seen in a long time, yeah, maybe you see them, uh, it's, like I said, through social media and stuff, but it's not, you know, being able to hang out and have people in my backyard and have, you know what I mean? Entertain again and just make new memories because uh, it's been a long layoff. It's been a long layoff. That's a yeah. great way to look at it. A nice rest, let's call it. Yeah. It's long. Um, and we're definitely all up for something else now too. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that we came in today with, you know, nothing really on the agenda other than a chance to reconnect and, 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 you know, hopefully at the same time people find that in itself entertaining, um, because it's somebody else and it's another world and you get a glimpse into ours. So I'm grateful for anybody that's tuned in today. Uh, to be able to join us on Staying Alive. Uh, of course, I've been with Frank Russo for the whole session today and look forward to a lot more like this. Yeah. I think that's kind of yeah. our goal, to continue moving down that road, um, having some casual conversations about things that are of interest and can hopefully make people excited, happy, and you know, somewhat connected to our world. Yeah, it definitely keeps, I know for me, doing this keeps me going. And if we've talked about it, like dur- during the project, like I kind of miss coming in and having our rap sessions. Yes. And um, it's good to get those back. Hopefully we can keep them going and, uh, you know, 
get more guests in here. But I like doing this. I like just talking about nothing and and just recapping and seeing what's interest you know what interests you uh, over the last little while. So these are really cool. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, Frank. And uh, if you happen to subscribe to that notion, then do exactly that: subscribe, like, push the button, do all the things you're supposed to do, and podcast and social media, and tell some friends and. Let's get back together uh, for the next episode. Yeah, give us some comments, too. If there's anything that you want to see us uh, talk about or bring people in or focus on any kind of subject, we'll definitely take those comments into consideration and see if we can wrap something around that. I love that. I've got a great business idea we can jump into next time um, that I'm really looking forward to seeing if we can pull together. Maybe it can be a collaborative effort from our online uh, connections here. Oh, that would be cool. We could do a case study and do vlogs and everything like that. Love it. Let's do it. See it right from the ground up. Yeah, let's see what happens. And get the online community to invest. <laughs> I like the way this is going, Frank. You got it all settled down, but I love it. Anyway, thanks for joining cool. us, everybody. Have a great day, and we'll see you on the next episode of Staying Alive with Louis J.